Welcome to Around the Table. We are all a product of our past. As apostolic Christians, our church has been shaped by both Anabaptism and Evangelicalism, two Christian traditions that we've held together in a dynamic and beneficial tension. Listen in and learn how to process our unique history and how it continues to affect us today. Hello and greetings in the name of Jesus. My name is Harvey Cabe, uh, elder from Gridley, and today we'll be sharing on the topic of our Anabaptist and evangelicalism history and how it impacts us today. And my name is Marvin Dotter. I'm an elder at the Forest Church. And as Brother Harvey said, we want to share information that we might, that we think can be helpful. As some of it's historical and some of it is where we uh, may be at today. Uh, we also have with us Brother Fred Witzig. He's a historian, teacher, and has a lot of information on uh on our historical past, and, and really where we want to end up with today is we want to, we want to end up with a, an, a real true appreciation for our history, both as uh, we, we could say Anabaptist history, which has some, had some influence on us, and, and also maybe more particularly our apostolic Christian church history and how that's influenced us to where we are today. And, and then we learn from history we are not necessarily want to be bound by our history, but it can be beneficial to us. And where we want to look now is how we move forward. And we think if, if we have a, a real true humility of heart in, in moving forward, uh, we think about humility is, is not thinking too much. It could be thinking too much of our own opinions and thoughts, and, and, but we can respect each other and, each, and, and the things that have shaped us into who we are today. Thanks, Marvin. And in exactly, you mentioned shaped, and we are shaped by our history. We're shaped by our upbringing, our families, our church backgrounds. We're shaped by the communities we lived in, uh, we live in, and uh, our school system, maybe, and, and uh, all kinds of things. For me personally, I, I, I'm shaped by the churches I attended. I, when I was young, from zero to six, I attended the, the German Apostolic Christian Church, and then from six to um, a Southmore High School, I attended the Christian Apostolic Church. So I, I'm shaped by all of those uh, different experiences. And, and from being from a large family, I'm shaped by being from a family of 12 uh, children. So uh, as, as Marvin mentioned that, that just struck a chord with me that we are shaped by our surroundings and by our upbringings and by our families and all of that. As you think about that, Brother Fred, how, how, how are we shaped by our history? We all have family histories, personal histories, but those family histories were also shaped by larger cultural currents. And recognizing those cultural currents, I think, can help us to understand who we are. Oftentimes, we react to things around us, and we develop and change because of things around us in the here and now. But how we react to those things is going to be in part shaped by what I think I know from my upbringing, what people have told me in the past. And they've told me things that have been shaped by things that shaped them in the past. And so we can keep on going back and back. We react to things the way we react to today because of the influences in our life in the past. And so our goal is to try to think about our history some of those things are really good, and some of those things have maybe been a little confusing or caused us to, to maybe go in a direction we shouldn't. But the goal is 
to hear the history and learn from the history and then in, in humility try to live the gospel. Humility. Brother Harvey, I think that's a key word, a very key word. And I think the past is not our guidebook. The Bible is our guidebook. We don't go back in the past and say, well, we did that 100 years ago, therefore we must do it today. That's not the way the past can help us. What it can do is to give us a great humility as we discuss issues. So I can give you a couple examples. As I understand why I think the way I do and why others think the way they do, it helps me to understand there are legitimate reasons for these ways of thinking, even when I disagree with it. So it was incredibly helpful to me when I started studying our past. It was like reading my autobiography. Oh, this is why I do that. Ah, this is where the AC tendency comes from. It's like learning, you know, all this background of who I am and why I do the things I do. In some cases, I might look at that and say, I don't really agree with that. That was kind of an unfortunate decision that we made there. Or I kind of regret that this this kind of steered us in that way. But in learning it, I can see, okay, I disagree with that, but I can see why they made that decision. I can appreciate the heart that was behind that. I can relate to the fears that they had that led to this kind of a decision. I don't think we should do that anymore or do that again, but I can walk in humility towards my brothers and sisters around me because I realize the heart that is behind those those decisions. You know, as you talk, Brother Fred, about our history, the, the, what I what I see as being really helpful about that is that while there may be some things that we have done in the past that we may not understand why they were done that way, the, what we really learn is the beginning of our church, uh, the, our, our history, is it was just based on the gospel message of Jesus Christ and a true conversion experience. And that's tremendously helpful for me to know that's what that's what our beginning is. That's where we come from. And have we done it all right all over the years? No, we haven't. But we keep trying to do it in a right way. We're trying to understand what is the best way that we can do. And that's so comforting to know that that's where we started and that's where we're still headed. So, so as you think about the history of our church, what are some of the things from the past that are very strong and helpful today? Well, what I see around us is two impulses in the apostolic Christian church, two habits of mind, two ways that we think about our faith and, and the church and where we're going. And one is, comes one, one strand comes from a historical influence that we might call evangelicalism. Evangelicalism basically to a scholar just means adherence to the Bible as the ultimate authority, a dateable conversion experience uh, that at least would change life and an outward focus that you evangelize others, that sort of thing. And then the sufficiency of, of Jesus um, towards our salvation. And so it's a little bit more experiential. It's a little bit more heart focused and desiring of a, of a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's actually where Samuel Freilich, the person who largely founded our church, where he began his, his real Christian life as an evangelical and was very evangelistic and stressed that, as Brother Marvin said, stressed that deep conversion and that sort of thing. The other strand, if we can say it this way, the other strand of our DNA, the other, the other piece of who we are is 
a strong influence in our church from what we what we might call an Anabaptist background, and that is a very uh, deep commitment to making sure that if we're going to call ourselves a Christian, that we really live it out in very real and practical ways, and opening the Scripture, seeing how Jesus lived, and just humbly, submissively following after Jesus, no matter what the cost, and. Part of that heritage also is, is a strong sense of separation from the world. I think we have kind of both of these influences in our church today. And I think if we recognize that and we can recognize the good things in each of those strands, then we can sit in a conversation and say, even if I disagree with you, I see where you're coming from. I understand the desires that you have, where you want us to go, and they're legitimate, right? And it gives us a humility to really talk openly about how we feel about our church today. And I think one of the one of the very important things that you just said is that it's not one or the other. It's both. That's incredibly exciting to me. And I, in my experience, apostolic Christians often see this as an either or, that we've got the Anabaptist teaching, we've got the evangelical teaching. Historically, there's been a lot of over overlap. And even more exciting is in our past, we have both. And when we bring them together in an authentic way, oh my, it's a powerful, powerful message to bring to the world. And so, so what, you, what you said there, Fred, is, is so important that as we look at our denomination, it makes us very unique. The sanctified, holy living through a deep conversion and the ability and the desire to go out and share the gospel message. That, those two combined is, is our makeup. That is our DNA from when our church started. And that's so exciting to think about. That uniqueness is, is, is what I believe and we all believe is what Christ truly taught. One of the things that I, that I think we want to take away from this is that we do have a unique denomination in some ways. Um, not unique in the fact that we follow the Bible. I would trust there are many uh, denominations, I hope, that follow the Bible, but somewhat unique in our history. Certainly, there's a uniqueness in the fellowship that we have that um, among our among our various congregations that and that's been shaped a lot by by the history that we have and it's something that that we value something that we appreciate brother fred as we're visiting here today you know there, there's words we use terms that we use that that sound almost the same and yet they have some different meanings and so we we talk here about evangelicalism and we talk about evangelism and they're not exactly the same so could you help us understand the difference in those two terms? Yeah, so evangelicalism is, is not a denomination. It's a, it's a way of thinking about Christianity, an understanding of Christianity. Evangelicalism meaning an adherence to the Bible as the ultimate authority. It is necessary if you're going to call yourself a Christian that you must have a dateable, real conversion, change of heart, giving yourself over to Jesus Christ, that Jesus is sufficient for salvation. And then that you take that conversion experience and that gospel and you bring it out into the world, what we call evangelism. So evangelicalism includes evangelism, 
but it's not synonymous. Sometimes the evangelism piece of evangelicalism can, in a practical sense, or at least as we perceive it, can, can sort of overtake and overshadow everything else. So, for instance, I think a historical pitfall, ditch that evangelicalism can fall into, and I think this is historically legitimate, is that the evangelistic part of evangelicalism becomes so important that it overshadows a real total conversion those, those to Jesus first Christ. Three, those first three points that you mentioned. Exactly. That, that evangelism kind of comes at all costs, right? We'll, we'll, we'll do anything. We'll give up a little bit of the Bible. We'll give up on a real conversion as long as we get them into the roar and into our pews. And I think that's very important that we understand that when we, when we talk about these terms, that we are including those first three points as part of our heritage. Exactly. So how does, how does Anabaptism, how does that fit in then with evangelicalism? That's a great question. I think we could say that at times Anabaptism has been almost synonymous with evangelicalism. Uh, where Anabaptists have been very, very evangelical. And so I'm thinking here at the first couple generations of Anabaptists at the time of the Reformation, they would all have agreed that the Bible is, is the absolute word of God, our ultimate authority, and in a dateable conversion experience, that Jesus is enough for their salvation. And in evangelism, the early Anabaptists were very evangelistic in the 1500s. As time went on, though, if evangelicals have a tendency to overemphasize evangelism, maybe at the expense of following the Bible and having an authentic conversion, the Anabaptists began to fall into another ditch on another side, which is, okay, so we want a real conversion experience. This is what a conversion experience looks like, and you end up with a rigid formalism, a list of visible, tangible, identifiable traits that this is how a Christian should live. And they begin to de-emphasize evangelism for actually probably understandable, maybe not legitimate, but understandable reasons. They were persecuted terribly. So they became isolationist. In the 1800s, there were some Anabaptists who wanted to recover that walk with Jesus Christ. And here comes Samuel Freilich, who is an evangelical, but is very sensitive to the historic Anabaptist concern for a real, authentic Christian life. And he offers them, you don't have to choose this or that. Being a Christian means that you really, truly have a walk with Jesus, and you live a real, holy, godly life, according to the Bible. So, in that sense, our church began as, as an evangelical church, and a lot of Anabaptists came in, and now I feel like I'm really going off in a different direction here. <laughs> so when we think about the two terms that we've been talking about here today, uh, Anabaptism and evangelicalism, while they may have been very closely aligned in the beginning, it's very possible to, to start to place more emphasis on one than the other. So... Do you think that's happened in the past? And what's the danger of that happening? What's the result of that happening? I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly accurate. I think many of the differences that we sense among each other are differences in emphasis. And so, as I describe evangelicalism, as I describe Anabaptism, I don't want to give the impression 
that these are wholly discrete, separate categories. The Anabaptists don't have never cared about a personal walk with Jesus, or that evangelicals have never cared about a real, authentic uh, living it out in practical ways. It is a matter of emphasis. At times, I think you could point to the evangelical past, people who would not say that they're Anabaptists at all. They, they, they have managed to really hit all four of these points, these key pieces of evangelicalism in, in a very powerful way. And so have Anabaptists lived out a real faithful walk with Jesus and relationship with Jesus. But there are tendencies to emphasize one thing over another. And sometimes the differences between what, what a historian would call Anabaptist and, a, and, a, and an evangelical, they're really not saying these people believe this and these people don't, but rather these people emphasize something and these other people don't. The problem with the emphasis, which is a part of your question, the problem with an emphasis, I think historically, historically, things that Anabaptists might emphasize too much lead to, as I mentioned before, like a rigid formalism. We've just got to have these hallmarks of a real converted life. And so it decays into endless debates about coach style or transportation modes or something like that. And I think every Christian tradition in the past 2000 years have had really lively and good discussions about proper evangelism and a tendency to to emphasize evangelism in ways that then later they stand back and they say, you know what? We kind of gave up on the gospel. We got numbers, but we gave up on the gospel. That was never the intent, but it is a danger to emphasize something and then you lose out on other pieces of of the Christian faith. So, so, so Brother Fred, that, that was a mouthful. Uh, but as I think about my own life and I think about uh, the, the emphasis that we place on different things, I have to be so careful to process how much emphasis I'm putting on certain things and examining myself. And, and for all of us out here listening to this, we, we, need to, we need to process through our own emphases in our own life. And, and I think while we think about where, our, where do we place our own emphasis, that kind of shapes us and a little bit who we are. But I think in, in as, as part of our thinking in this is that I hope that we can come away having an appreciation also for people that may place emphasis on something a bit different than we do. Mm -hmm. We can have the humility to appreciate their perspectives rather than than these two thought processes that we've talked about here today causing tension, but they can but but rather that they can actually work together. Yeah, that mutual respect and understanding that we are influenced by different things and and the respect for for each other uh is so important with our walk with with Christ first and then with our church body uh, because it, it it makes a huge difference uh, and and like brother Marvin just said we learn to respect each other and then examine ourselves at the same time am I putting too much emphasis on something and challenge us you know sometimes I'm challenged uh, by what somebody else may do but I but I have to learn how to respect and understand that their their influences that they've had are different than mine. So when I'm challenged with that, I, I need to process through with the Holy Spirit's guidance on how to deal with that, showing mutual respect and love at the same time. You know, Brother Fred, we've talked a lot here today about history. And I've read 
history myself. I've read Anabaptist history. I've read quite a bit about our church history. But I do understand that there are parts of the history that I'm probably not very well informed on because I read certain writers uh, and everybody has a various thought or they emphasize. We talk about emphasis and de-emphasis. They maybe have emphasized certain parts of the history. Um, So do you have any thoughts on that? Maybe how we can be, maybe our view of history, even though it's pretty thorough, may not be completely accurate. Yeah. History did happen a certain way. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, um, God is the only one who knows exactly how it happened. The best we can do as historians is sift through as much evidence we can and say, this is what we think has happened. As we do that, we generate discussions. We publish a book or an article and say, this is what happened with the evangelical Puritans, say, in American history in the 1700s, right? And then someone else says, well, I've looked at a little bit different evidence, and there's tons of evidence out there, right? I looked at a little bit different evidence. I've also read that evidence in a little bit different way from a different perspective. And here's actually, I think, a more, more accurate depiction of what happened with those evangelical Puritans in the 1700s. So we engage in a discussion that goes around and around and around. Meanwhile, we continue to find more sources and we continue to learn more bits and pieces from the past. Professional historians still get it wrong. I still get it wrong. And I'm very conscious of that, that I could be getting my history wrong. So part of, I think, part of the value actually of studying history is learning to be humble about that history and to say, this is my understanding. This is what I think it is. I can still learn more. And that is something that professional historians think about. And it's very sensitive to us. We understand we need to be teachable. And doesn't, doesn't it also apply when you talk about we have to be humble about a history that I have to be careful that I'm not tainting my own history the way I want it to be tainted for my own whatever I want to teach or, or, or learn or be. Uh, because for me personally, I, I struggle with that. I mean, I, I taint things the way I want them to sound or be. And I think even a historian has to be careful that he doesn't taint things the way he wants them to be. Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. And let me take that a step further and say, and go back to something, a point that we made, t- tie in a couple of points that we made earlier. We're all a product of our past. And sometimes people respond to a telling of history in ways that have nothing really to do with that telling of history, except that they've experienced something in their past. And they think, "Uh uh-oh, I know all about that. And they don't, but they think they do because of an experience they've had. So somebody who has been, let's just be honest, somebody who's been burned by Anabaptist overemphases. When you mention the word Anabaptist, they may say, oh, I know all about that. I know all about rules and regulations, oppression, everybody, you know, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And then you can't tell, now you can't say, well, actually, there's more to the Anabaptist past than that. Somebody who's been burned or has seen bad things that's come out of evangelicalism may have the same reaction to that. And they may say, oh, no, evangelical, I know all about that. And that's not, I've had experience, oh, that, that was a bad experience. And you have to say, well, wait a minute, you know, evangelicalism actually has these characteristics as well. We can learn from both, but we have to have the humility to do so and to say that maybe my, maybe my historical experience with those terms, with those phenomena have been negative, but I need to 
understand that maybe that's not the full experience of those phenomena. Mm -hmm. does, that, does, that, does that make sense? It does make total sense. We've had some that have come from very rigid, very rigid rule-based uh, backgrounds. And so then one of the things that, that I've experienced is if it even smells or even sounds like it might be some type of rule, it's like flags, immediately red flags go up, and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this, that, that even sounds like a rule. Don't even go there with me, and it's, it's, it's very hard. I've experienced it myself in conversation is I raise different terms, and I can tell the person's background kind of based on how they react to them. And that's where I think understanding can really be helpful, that I now understand why you react that way because of your own past and what you think the past is of anabaptism or evangelicalism. And I think all of us have to admit, no matter where we're at in life, that we are tainted by those influences and we have to really be broken and, and say, okay, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's like be broken before the Lord and say, what is the, the heart and mind of Christ? And going back, Brother Fred, a little bit talking about our our perspective of history, there may be details that aren't exactly what they are, but that shouldn't prevent us from learning from the history. The, the, the general history is going to be the same. There may be points that are different. There may be details that aren't quite the same. Yeah, but the humility to say, I'm going to go back in the past and try as hard as I can to learn the right things to, to get as accurate of an impression of the past as I possibly can. And I think an important thought with that is that we go into the past and the history with an open mind, not preconceived ideas, an open mind to truly learn the, the good, the bad, and the ugly from our history. So, so Brother Fred, as, you, as we think about all the history of the churches, you know, the Lutherans, the Catholics, and the Anabaptists, how do sometimes I personally, I can get really like, why is there all this, I don't know, differences, unrest, change, you know, how, how, do we, how do we fly above that? How do you fly above that as a historian? How do you get to the spot where you can hear it, understand it, and yet you can come to a, a, a spot of, of peace? That's a great question. And I think anybody who studies church history for any extended length of time wrestles with that question and probably encounters a shaking of the faith. As you go back to 1100 Catholicism and you see people who, wow, they seem like the power of God's spirit was incredible in their life. And then you read something about Luther and you think, wow, that was really powerful. And then something about John Calvin, something about Conrad Grable of the Anabaptist, something, right? And you begin to think, wait a minute, who's right? It's, you know, who's right, who's wrong? Because I see, I see powerful things in each one of these. Oh, no, what do I do? <laughs> that has certainly um, been something that I've, I've struggled with in my life. Where I've come to a real peace is that it is actually true that Jesus has worked through all of these people. We all share a very powerful core. If you look at all of the main forms of Christianity— they all share a rather profound foundation. God is our creator. No Christian disputes that. That God is revealed in the Bible. Nobody disputes that. We are all sinners. Nobody disputes that. We are hopeless sinners, and we can't do anything about it. Nobody disputes that. Jesus Christ to save us from our, came to save us from our sins. Nobody disputes that. He rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended into heaven. He's returning again. We need to repent of our sins and become converted. Right? All of these things 
are common to all of us. It doesn't mean that our differences aren't important. Our differences can have very drastic consequences. But the core of our faith is pretty solid. And that frees me then to be able to to go in the past and say, I think that this group is more accurate than that group. It also frees me to say, there is no perfect church out there. And so, this is where God has placed me. And I am going to dig in and appreciate and build out of the wonderful things in the church that God has placed me in. And when I encounter something in a, in a, a different church and I say, well, they seem to have something more accurate, I can say, yeah, but that's been the historical case for 2,000 years. There's never been a perfect church. And so, if I go and join that church, I'm leaving behind things that are valuable in mine. And God has placed me in mine. And in humility, I can just simply try to help my church be as biblically good as possible and, and be at peace. That's so important that we can rest on those foundational foundational points and yet continue to, to, to move toward that sanctified living. This is, for me, this has been a, a wonderful uh, time spent understanding our past and, and also thinking about our future. But, you know, just for me, it, it helped me realize that the, the things that I emphasize, the things that have influenced me are different than every than everyone else that I may attend church with. But yet the core, the core doctrine of our church from the very beginning uh, is, is still based on the, the word, the, the core beliefs. And I'm so excited to, to go out and to share some of the things that I've learned uh, just from sitting here. And, and, and Fred, thanks for coming in for all of us. And it's been wonderful just to sit around and, and Brother Marvin just to talk and, and learn from each other because uh, that, that's, that's what we're, we're here for is just to learn from each other. And, and in humility, admit that, hey, we got a lot to learn in life. And it was just really good for me to be here. Yes, and as I think about our, our conversation over here today, I think about how, how important it is that we can learn from our history, but not that we're bound by our history. And that, that we can be free and feel very positive about sharing the gospel. That's very much of who we are. But also, we, we still see a great value. It's part of our history. And it's also very biblical and scriptural that we, that we see value in separating from the world. And, and these are not in contradiction to each other, but, but they both have value and they have to our, our, our forefathers and they do to us yet today. And, and that's, that's, it's a wonderful place to be when you can be, just be that you're, you're doing what it is that the Bible, in, in, the very basics of the Bible would teach us to do. And we're very thankful to have Brother Fred with us here today. We really appreciate his, his knowledge, his expertise that he brings to us, and, and are, are thankful he was willing to come and share with us here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's really been a blessing to myself as well. Thanks for listening. And if you have comments on Around the Table or ideas for future episodes, let us know. In AC Central, go to the settings menu, select user feedback, and when the web page opens, click the feedback on Around the Table link. Around the Table is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church of America.